0: Good morning, New Spring family. How cool was that story? Man, we are are so glad that you took time this weekend to come and hang out with us at New Spring Church. My name is Dan Leanne, I'm on the teaching team here, and, and we want you to know that you are so loved, you're so valued, uh, especially if you're a new person. I meet new people all the time who have just joined the fam, and, and uh, so on all of our campuses, if you're like kind of a part of the family, I want you to put your hands together for all the people who are visiting for the first time, good seeing you. We really hope and pray that you feel at home. Seriously, kick off your shoes, look around the fridge later, Uh, whatever is mine is yours. Um, We are uh, a church that uh, wants to see everyone, everywhere, in an everyday relationship with Jesus, And, and we are so glad that... Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, as we've dived into this men's series, we've engaged in a conversation specifically, first and foremost, for men, but everyone has been drawn into the application that has helped us live that out more. That's what we've been doing. We've been in the middle of a, a men's series, and it's about men interacting with Jesus. And I hope and pray that all of us, man, woman, and child, we have learned something over the last couple of weeks about the decisions that we make. Uh, that's the truth that we've been gathering around, that it's our decisions, not our intentions, that determine our destination. Uh, it's been said that the path to destruction has is paved with with good intentions and and i know for all of us in this room we all have Good intentions. We wanna we wanna eat better. We wanna exercise better. We wanna drink more water. We wanna we wanna rest better. But the reality is, come on. How many of you know? Sometimes our intentions don't always flow into application. Well, well, here's the reality. It's not our intentions that create a beautiful God glorifying destiny. It is our good decisions. Come on, smile. That's really good news. That means no matter who you are or where you're at, you get a decision today to make. You can make a good decision today that will help you walk towards a greater future. Come on, a decision today that will help you live your life the way God has designed you to live it. Come on, in the book of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it talks about there's a way that appears right to everybody, but in the end, it leads to death. I want you to know in the same breath, there is a way that leads to life, and it's the end of a whole bunch of good decisions. This is really good because for some people in this room, they think that their good future has been disqualified already. I've crossed these lines, I've made some mistakes, I've done some things in my past, I carry this shame. There is no way that I'm gonna live out a life that glorifies God and enjoys this earth. Nothing could be further from the truth because it is your decisions today, not your intentions yesterday, that determine your future. And that's the reason over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about decisions that we all need to make. How great is it to be a part of a teaching team? Come on, a church that teaches in team. It's not one person carrying all the weight, but you have different people from different walks of life hearing from the same spirit, bringing a word to a family. And that's what we've heard over the last couple of weeks. In week one, our pastor Brad Cooper talked about the decision that all of us are going to have to make. Come on, men in this room and everyone listening, everyone hearing my voice, we're going to have a decision to make about guilt. Will the guilt in our life drive us away from God or will it drive us towards God? Will it cause us to hide or find grace and forgiveness in Him? And then week two, High King talked about the decision we're all gonna have to make about the kind of prayer that we develop in our life. And then last week, Mayor talked about the decision we're all gonna have to make about the foundation that we build in our journey. Are we going to build on the word of God or are we going to build on something that isn't the word of God? Because if you build on the word of God, the storms of life are going to hit and you're going to stand. But if your life isn't built on the word of God, the storms of life will hit and things are going to fall apart. And this week is my like role, it is my privilege to talk about another decision we're all going to have to make at some point in our journey as the decision regarding what we're going to do with our money and our things. Here's the reality. All of us at some point in our journey, men, women, and children, we're going to have to make a decision regarding the role of money and things in our life. That's what Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter six, verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters or masters. Either or either, depending on where you're from, you will hate one and love the other. Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We're gonna have to make a decision. Are you gonna serve God or are you gonna serve money? Now that word money in the Greek is the word mammon. And, and that word mammon kind of is a bit of an umbrella concept of not only the money in your pocket or the cash that you have, but also the things that you own, possessions, the, the, the things that you acquire. Jesus said at some point in your journey, you all are gonna to have to choose. Are you gonna serve God or are you gonna serve money? Are you going to make your money serve the one who made you, or are you going to find yourself serving the things that have been made in the earth? We all have to decide. There's no option. I remember we moved here five years ago when the first questions we were asked is, which football team are you going to pull for? It's a really important question around here. Initially, I thought, I just pull for everybody depending on where I was, I'd just be down for them. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm in the upstate and hang around the Clemson area, I'm all about the Tigers. If I'm down in Columbia or hanging around the midstate or the Lower state, I'm a Gamecock. And and if I'm down like in like Myrtle Beach, I'm all about coastal Carolina, who doesn't love a party? Even if I'm in like Charleston, I can hang out with the Citadel people. I've got no problem. I can decide who I'm with any given weekend. I'm telling you, the response was wild. I got told, no, Dan, you can't do that. You must decide. In the same way Jesus is saying you can't flip-flop between the two. Your life won't tell the story of how you walk the line. No, your life will reveal which one you served. You either served God with your finances, you either served God with your things, and you walk down a path of greater freedom, of greater perspective, of greater generosity, of greater kingdom investment, of greater leaving a legacy for the generations to come, or you're gonna walk down a path of serving money which is gonna mark you by greater greed, by greater stress, by greater comparison that eventually leads to death. Jesus says you all don't get to choose one or the other and both at the same time. You have to choose one that is gonna mark the rest of your days. You need to decide. So here's the challenge. Are you going to serve God, or are you gonna serve money and things? Here's the challenge as well. No one here in this room, no one in any of our 14 campuses think kind of by default that we serve money, but could I suggest to you that when you really think about life, when you think about our days, when you think about the way we spend our weeks, when we think about the way we interact with money and things, maybe the reality might be a little different. I know for me personally, I don't feel like I have enough money to really serve money. You know, a lot of people feel that way. Hey, Dan, I wish I had enough money to serve it. I just, I just basically get by, but could I suggest to you, you don't need to have a lot of money to serve money. Some people say, you know what, I, Dan, I got a lot of money. I've made a lot of money. I'm successful, I, I kinda, I'm, the, I'm the king of my own domain. What do you mean I serve money? Hey, money serves me, because I've got a massive business and I make a lot of money. Can I suggest to you, even if you have a lot of money, you could be in a flow of serving money yourself. So, so, so let me ask you some questions that I asked myself this week about where money really sits in my life. And, and full disclosure, I, w- I wanna confess to you that this has been an issue in my life throughout my journey, and even to this day, this is something that I gotta consistently and continually remind myself of, that I have a decision to make, God or money, whom will I serve? So can we get real, real here this morning? I know that I'm in the 915 gathering here in Anderson, but on all of our campuses, I need participation right now. So if you feel confident enough, I, I need you to just be, you're in the eyes of God right now. You know what I'm saying? You need to respond with some honesty, all right? Your deodorant is full active right now. You can put your hands up, all right? So let me ask you these questions. Come on, does how much money you have or don't have impact your peace? Let's be real right now. For me, come on, when I have a lot of money, I feel more peace. If I'm looking at the bank account, and it's a little skinny, I, I lose my peace. Come on, ask this question. Do you think you'd be happier with better stuff? Come on, let's be real right now. Like, I, I, I often, like if I, I see something or I see a buddy with something, hey, you know, I'd be happier if I had that. Come on, ask this one. Have you ever fought with your spouse or a family member about money stuff? Come on. <laughs> oh, everybody, yes, yeah, me. Have you ever lost a relationship over money? Hey, do you hold your breath and close one eye when you open up your credit card bill? <laughs> How about this one? Have you ever opened up your Amazon app at 7 p.m. and then basically kind of lose a whole night and then basically work out at 11 p.m. and you've got to go straight to sleep? Come on, has anyone done that before? You've just been floating around that Amazon river. I'm not talking about, you know, the South American one, like... Okay, have you ever bought anything off Amazon or eBay and forgotten you bought it until it arrived? <laughs> All right, have you got too much stuff in your closet? Point to someone who's got too much stuff in their closet. All right, come on, who's got a garage full of stuff? Come on, let's be real right now. Okay, who's got a garage they've never parked their car in because you've got too much stuff? Come on, money and things and stuff. Come on, who in this room has filled their gas tank all the way to the top in the last month? That's got nothing to do with money, I just wanna see who the fancy people are in the room. (laughs) Come on, let's be real right now. How many of you find yourself comparing the things you have with other people? The house you have, the TV you watch, the truck you drive, the land you own, the house you live in. Come on, how many people have done what I've done? Find yourself sitting there just watching TV and go, I love my 60-inch TV. And then you go to your neighbor's house and you see the 70-inch TV and now you hate your 60-inch TV. Come on, that's me. Have you ever chosen making money over making family time before? See, if you lifted your hand more than a few times, could I suggest to you that there is still a decision to make. And we get here on a Sunday morning. There's no doubt about it, We team Jesus on Sunday morning. <laughs> we praising, we worshiping God. Hey, hey, no one rocked a I love money t-shirt as they walked through the doors at New Spring this morning. But the reality is, if you put your hands up more than a few times, you still have a decision to make. And our heart's hope and our heart's prayer is this, that over the next couple of minutes, as we lean into Jesus' interaction with a couple of men, you would see how Jesus spoke to them and how Jesus challenged them and how Jesus pointed pointed towards a path that had life for them. And I hope and pray that each and every single one of you, beginning with the men of our church, but everyone is invited to make this decision, would leave today saying you know what I'm walking down a path that's gonna honor God be marked by generosity a kingdom mentality and ultimately a God glorifying legacy I hope and pray that you walk down this path of life so here are the two men that we're looking at one was called a rich young Ruler. He wasn't named, but his story was told multiple times in the Gospels. The second man we're going to look at is a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, if you were brought up around Sunday school, was the little wee man that climbed the tree that day. Why do you hate on Zacchaeus that way? You know what I'm saying? Forevermore known as the little wee man. And I've taught about these two different characters before throughout the years, but what I had never noticed before is that these interactions happened on the same day. And the reason i would never seen this before is because historically as a preacher, uh, I've lent into the Mark chapter 10 telling of the rich young ruler story and the Luke 19 telling of the Zacchaeus story. But you've got to understand that Luke, uh, out of the Gospels, probably is the most chronological in all of the the Gospels, because Luke was a doctor, very didactic in his thinking. The way that Luke records it, he actually shows the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18. And it's a part of a day in Jesus' life. You see, in chapter 17, you'll see Jesus going down south from the Galilee region towards Jerusalem, and on the way, he has a couple of conversations, and in Luke chapter 18, you'll see this conversation with this rich young ruler. The Bible talks about how he's going down towards Jerusalem, he's kind of heading towards Jericho, and this rich young ruler runs up to Jesus and falls at his feet and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I've heard about you, Jesus. There's a lot of talk about you, Jesus, but, but what do I have to do to become one of your followers? And Jesus lovingly replies to him, well, what do the scriptures say? And this, 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 this young man would say, well, th- this is what the scriptures say. You know, I, I can't do a bunch of things. Like I can't like kill and I can't like, steal and I can't commit adultery. I've got to honor my mother and father and, and all these things I've done from a young age. And the Bible says Jesus looks at him with love And it says, well done, buddy, but there's one thing you still lack. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible says that at this command, this rich young ruler's face fell because he was a man with great wealth. Jesus wanted to have a relationship with him. Jesus wanted to go on a journey with him, but he couldn't pay the price. And he walked away sad. Fast forward a couple of hours in Luke chapter 19, and you can read these stories in your own time throughout the course of the week. I'm pretty sure they're in the New Spring app. But in Luke chapter 19, you'll see a couple of hours later, Jesus is now entering Jericho, and there's another man who runs up to come and find Jesus. But instead of falling at Jesus' feet, here's a little guy named Zacchaeus who runs up and climbs a tree to have a look at Jesus walk by. The Bible says Jesus comes up to this tree and says, hey, Zacchaeus come on down I need to stay at your house today or in other words I want to have a relationship with you and so they both go to Zacchaeus's house and they're hanging out and the religious leaders start muttering to one another who's this Jesus guy and why is he hanging out with Zacchaeus he's a tax collector he's a traitor and a thief he's someone who collects taxes on behalf of Rome from God's people why is Jesus hanging out with him but Jesus doesn't love us in response to our loveliness. Jesus loves us because that's who he is. He can't help himself. And this love transforms Zacchaeus's heart as he stands up in the dinner party and says, you know what? Half of all my possessions I sell and I'm giving it to the poor. And if I have ripped anyone off, which is everybody, I'm going to give them back four times the amount. The picture of life and freedom and transformation. Here are three things that I want you to get out of these two men's stories. That I believe that if we make decisions to do this every single day, come on men in the room, come on women in the room, come on college students in the room, come on retirees in the room. If we make these decisions every single day, it will walk us down a path of greater life, greater freedom, greater kingdom investment and greater legacy. Here are the three decisions that were made. First of all, the decision was made to give full access to Jesus. you got to understand, all of this talk about money and things isn't really about money and things. This isn't about your assets. It's about God's access into all of your life. In verse 22, Jesus is telling this guy, I just want to hang out with you. Come and follow me. In chapter 19, verse five, he's saying to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house. God's motivation isn't to hate on the things that you have. God's message is this, I hate it when things have you because I want all of your heart. I want all of your life because son, because daughter, there's so much we could do together if you trust me with everything. This talk is not about necessarily money and things. This is about Jesus finally gaining full access to every part of our lives. I know for me, I find it really easy on a Sunday to worship God, but when it comes to my bank account, it's a little harder to worship Him. You know what I'm saying? I find that I'm really generous with my, with my hugs and, and my high fives, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes I'm not as generous with the money in my pocket. This is not about assets. This is about access, and Jesus wants all of it. Come, on, Peyton, this, you're a young man. One day you're going to find yourself a pretty young lady, and uh, you're going to you know, date her right, court her right. And then one day you're going to find yourself, you'll be walking down that aisle, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be like a good day. You'll be just like walking down and you'll be like, she'll be like sweating and she's going to be like beautiful. And you're going, like, you're, going to, you're going to get married and you're going to go to like a Caribbean island for your honeymoon because that's the pressure on young people nowadays, you know what I'm saying? You can't go anywhere cheap because you got to Instagram the whole thing, you know what I'm saying? And so you're going to go to Aruba and you're going to come back from your honeymoon and you're going to grab your wife and you're going to move into your first house. And before you enter that house, you're going to lift her up, and you're going to step across that threshold. Just imagine you married a young lady, and the first thing you notice in this house that you have together is that half of the rooms were locked to you. And you ask the question, hey, babe, like, why are these rooms locked? And she says to you, oh, don't worry about it. It's just my stuff. Now, after a week, you kind of get a little bit concerned. You know what I'm saying? After a month, if there were still locked rooms in this house, you'd ask this question, what's in there? Who's in there? You know what I'm saying? We are the bride of Christ. And every single time we deny access to Jesus, to these things, just like a newlywed going, what's going on? I thought I was marrying every part of you. Just as a young man would would have a broken heart, come on, so Jesus has a broken heart when he sees us go through life, come on, holding on, locking out, preventing access. All Jesus wanted was full access to every part of the rich young ruler's life and of Zacchaeus's life, and that's what he wants from you. He's not hating on things. He just hates it when things have you. The second thing that happens here is the decision was made to push money around. I like to use the term to boss money, to boss money around. Jesus is making it clear. If you wanna walk down this life towards, walk down this path towards life and freedom and and generosity and and kingdom investment and legacy, at some point in your journey, you're gonna have to learn how to master and boss your money and your things because ultimately, it doesn't matter what you say with your lips, the master in your life is revealed in your days. And if you can't learn how to boss your things around, boss your money around, it will eventually turn around and boss you around. That's why he's saying here uh, to the rich young ruler in verse 22, hey, sell everything you have. It wasn't a command that he made to every single person who interacted with Jesus, but he understood for this young man, this is what he needed to do. He needed to, at some point in his journey, draw a line and say, you know what? I'm going to boss finances around. That's why he says in chapter 19 and verse 8, this is where, this is where Zacchaeus stands up goes, here and now I give, or in other words, I'm not getting prompted, I am going to Boss my money around because that's what hanging out with Jesus does to me. When you learn how to boss your money around, I'm telling you, you start taking steps towards freedom in this space in your life. Because ultimately, I don't care who you say is the master. Who is master in your journey is revealed in your life. I remember years ago, we were in Malaysia with my extended family uh, for a vacation. We used to go there a lot during the summertime, and my son, Josiah, was four at that age, all right, at that stage. And we're hanging out with my uncle in his house, and he kind of lived in a rural part of Malaysia, and, and a big part of Malaysian culture is that most houses have house help. Okay, It's like kind of someone who works in the house. Um, they're called servants in that culture. The Malay word for it is hambu. Okay, So when you hear the word hambu, it's basically I'm calling a servant. And my son took way too naturally to the calling of a servant. Like He'd be four years old and he's sitting on the couch and hambu, bring me a drink. Hambu, I'm hungry, bring me some food. Hambu, where are my shoes? Hambu, I want to go for a swim. And it was kind of cute because Josiah was like kind of embracing Malaysian culture. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, we get back to Australia. Holiday and vacation time is over. I'm sitting on the couch. Josiah's is sitting next to me. Krista's in the kitchen. And Josiah just yells out sweetly, Hambu, bring me a sandwich! <laughs> I looked at Josiah. It was so good knowing you, buddy. <laughs> like, he was a great four years champ. I'll always remember you. You'll always be my first son. <laughs> I remember my wife's face, and my wife wasn't going to be my kid's servant. No, you four-year-old, you get up here. You're making everyone sandwiches in the house. Because <laughs> my wife understood that if you do what the one who was calling you servant, what basically you do what they tell you to do, you become that person's servant. And you've got to understand that right now, money is trying to talk to you about how much peace you can have, how much laughter you can enjoy. Come on, money's gonna try to talk to you right now about when you can get along with your wife or fight with your wife. Come on, money's trying to tell you right now when you can sit and feel satisfied with your life, when you can feel graduate. Money's trying to talk to you, and at some stage, come on, you're gonna have to turn around and start speaking servant to it. That's what tithing does. As a family, at the beginning of every single month, our gross income, everything that we make, not only just through salary, but through my traveling and my speaking, through our investments, through our, whatever we have, first and foremost, we take 10% and we sow it into the kingdom. This is not a religious action. This is us at the beginning of the month letting money know we're bossing you around. My first question isn't what am I going to buy or what am I going to get and how am I? No, no, no. I'm bossing you around. Come that's the reason every single year. When we have an overflow offering, I know throughout the course of the year, Krista makes provision so that we can sow into our overflow offering every single December to sow into kingdom things that have got nothing to do with our church. The reason we do this is because every single month when we do this, we wanna say to our money, we're bossing you around. Come well, That's the reason you need a budget because when you budget, what you're saying to your money is saying, hey, I'm not gonna get bossed around by you, I'm bossing you around. So this is how I'm gonna live without our means. This is how we're going to save for something. This is how we're going to not find ourselves in a paycheck to paycheck situation. Why? Because come on, you are bossing money around. Come on, every single time you sit there and. You're so happy with your 2019 F-250 truck, you driving around, but then you see your buddy roll up to that breakfast with a brand new F-250 truck, it costs like $422 to drive to church in the morning, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Every single time you say, no, you know what, I'm not going to covet. Come on, I'm not going to like compare. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to say, thank you, God, for giving me a car that gets me from point A through to point B. I don't need to now manically think about how I can get the same kind of truck as my body. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. I am pushing money around. And I promise you this. If you make a decision a day to start pushing your money around before you know it, you are its master. And it will serve you. As you serve God. Can someone say a good amen to that? Push your money around. Boss your money around. A decision was made to give full access to Jesus. A decision was made to boss money and things around. And thirdly and lastly, at some point you're going to decide to hear Jesus and do what he says. In verse 23, this rich young ruler was very Clearly commanded by Jesus to sell everything that he had and to give it to the poor. The reason he couldn't do it is because he didn't understand what Jesus had on offer. He thought the money that he had or the things that he owned was worth more than walking with a creator of the universe who's got the whole world in his hands and wants to flow out blessing and favor all of his days. He saw the deal, he couldn't make it, and he walked away sad. But there's also this guy named Zacchaeus. And hanging out with Jesus, he's overwhelmed by his presence. And somehow he was stirred to stand up and say, half of the stuff I own, I give it away. And from this day forward, you're going to know me as a kingdom honest man. Because if I've ripped anyone off, I'm paying them back four times the amount. And for all of my days, you're going to see Jesus alive in the way that I interact with my money. Listen to Jesus and do what he says. One of the saddest saddest realities is, is that there isn't a person in this room right now who over the last 31 minutes hasn't thought to themselves, my goodness, maybe I really need to decide. There isn't a person who hasn't heard Jesus in some way, shape, or form there isn't a person who wasn't freaked out that Jesus speaks with a cool Asian Australian accent. You've you, you, you heard Jesus, but there are some people who are gonna walk away sad, honestly, because you're going, you know what, that price is too high. I like keeping control on that room of my life. I, I don't have enough money to, to give away. I, I like holding to my thing. Can I just side note, just break this mentality that says, hey, you know what? One day when I have more money, I'm going to be more generous. No, one day when you have more money, you're going to do more of what you're doing right now. So let's just break that lie that one day I'm going to start talking. No, no, no. You're just going to do more of what you're doing right now. Some people are going to walk away sad, but in the name of Jesus, someone's walking away different. Can you say a good amen to that? There's a man who's gonna have a conversation with his wife because there's a man in this room right now whose wife wants to tithe. Because you feel it's your responsibility to keep finances in the family in check. You've always been resistant to it and you've played party to her disobedience. I'm telling you, there is a man in this room who's gonna say, you know what, baby, I'm so sorry that I've been that voice of negativity up to this point. Come on, let's take a faith step. Come on, start trusting God and start pushing our money around. Come on, there's a man in this room who's gonna make a decision. There's something that God's been burdening them to do, a gift, an offering, an act of generosity. Even in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about as a church the miracle that God has worked to get us out of so much debt and we've got a little bit of debt still to go and I'm telling you now, what God has done in the first couple of months of this year has been nothing short of miraculous, but God's been speaking to you about being a part of the miracle, but you've been fighting that voice. You're gonna stop fighting that voice. Come on, you're gonna take a faith step and you're going to see your money bossed around and you walk away with greater freedom. I'm speaking it out in the name of Jesus. What is he saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? I just want your freedom. God doesn't hate things. He just hates it when these things have you. So get free. Boss your money around. Last Sunday, I got a friend of mine who plays on the PGA Tour, a lot of you know, women in the room just switched off inside. I don't, another golf story, great. Um, but 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 this is cool. I got a buddy of mine. He's actually the brother of one of our staff members. And without going too deeply into it, he effectively lost his job as a professional golfer, and he had an opportunity to win his card or his job back last weekend. And he led all day on Thursday, led all day on Friday, led all day on Saturday, led most of Sunday and he got caught right at the end and he came second. With coming second and not winning first place, he he literally lost a job worth millions of dollars a year and literally with a putt lost about $400,000. He's inconsolable. So he steps off the course and before he was ready, they thrust the camera into his face and asked him some questions. He broke down with emotion. But after a couple of minutes, he gathered himself and he made this statement. I was journaling this morning And I already knew that nothing I could make today, no job I could get would change the things that are most important to me, my God and my family. And I asked this question, in the same situation would I find myself, come on, with that kind of freedom to say, you know what, money and things will not define me or direct me or decide whether or not I have peace. I'm on that journey. I invite you onto this journey too. Can someone say a good amen to that? So in every single campus, as we wrap up our time, we're gonna do something simple. We're gonna sing a song called Rain Above It All. I'm gonna invite our ministry teams to get to their positions on everyone in our campuses to stand to their feet right now. And In this last minute, we're gonna make some decisions. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we've got a decision to make. Go on, turn to your neighbors. We've got a decision to make. No, seriously, I need, you to t- I need someone to turn to someone and say, hey, you need to just make a decision. Come on, you need to make a decision. Come on. When we tell Jesus to reign above everything, we're making a decision to say, you know what? Money and things will no longer define me, direct me, or decide whether or not I have peace. Come on, when we make decisions in this space, We walk into greater freedom. So what has Jesus said to you? And what are you gonna do about it? I want you to reflect on these questions as we worship. But specifically, with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around in a judgmental manner, if you know there's some more freedom you need in this finance kind of stuff area, can you just lift your hand right now? If you need more freedom, come on, on every single campus, if you need more freedom in this area. Come on, if you know that you need to hear what Jesus is saying and do something, come on, put your hand up. See, keep them up. Jesus, you tell us that you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. There's nothing as humbling as lifting our hands in lit rooms. So help us by your spirit, not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.